Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then, when he tells you, Wash and be cleansed? 2 Kings, verse 5. Welcome to Canaan Bound Podcast, episode number 79. Canaan Bound Podcast is a weekly podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. Canaan Bound features devotional segments by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, along with some church history, mission news, and music by various Christian artists who also support our teaching. My name is Philip Wells, and I will be your host for this episode. We begin today with a Canaan-bound devotion with Pastor Tom Barthel. If only he would listen. He had spent his life in a high position and was highly regarded. He's described on the pages of scripture as valiant. Naaman wasn't one to take orders, but to give them. But now this commander of the army of Aram was ready to listen to desperate measures, ready to follow the advice of the lowly. You can be sure he didn't like taking the suggestion of a servant girl from Israel. But desperation led him on. His skin was wasting away with a terrible and deadly disease. He traveled to Israel. Picture the entourage. He was no lowly beggar. He arrived with royal funding, about 1,000 pounds of precious metal. Come, cure me, and you will be richly rewarded. Receive all this. But the prophet in Israel didn't even go out to meet him. He sent the simple instruction, Wash, and you will be healed. Desperation turned to fierce anger and resentment. Naaman the valiant, the great, was supposed to wash in the Jordan River. He'd been to the very best rivers of Damascus. What difference would a little water make? He nearly left in a fit of anger. Desperation has its limits. Pride can only stoop so low. Water can only do so much. But in the end, he listened to the word of Elisha. Seven times he washed in the Jordan, and he was never the same. He left the river with more than new skin. He had a new heart, a newly kindled faith in the Lord, the God of Israel. The water itself was really inferior. The word connected with the water was not. The pride of Naaman meant nothing. The power of Naaman meant nothing. The actions of Naaman meant nothing. It was all nothing without the promise from the Lord. He always fulfills his promise. His word never fails. That changes everything. Now the riches to make payment, right? The prophet, Elisha, wouldn't accept even the smallest gift He wanted Naaman to understand grace, God's free gift for the sinner. Like Naaman, like you, like me, it's a free gift. No payment can be made for grace. God's free gift given through water and the word. His blood poured out on the cross to cleanse us from our darkest and most dreaded disease. His promise to pull us from the pits of death and hell. His body and blood present with the bread and wine, a new covenant and for the forgiveness of sins. His resurrection to give us eternal life. Simple things, powerful words. 
Name and cynicism plagues every sinner's heart. We all by nature reject God's promise. We all by nature stand confused by grace. We all by nature spurn his word. God would never come in bread and wine. God would never say that about two people who love each other. I'm smarter than that. God would never do that for free. Let the word speak. Naaman was wrong, tragically wrong, so long as he held to his own ideas and his pride. The answer is simple. If only. If only he would listen to the word of the Lord. If only he would hear the words of the prophet who lives in Israel. Set aside your pride. Let the sinful heart be silenced as it hears the word of God. Learn what it is to be still and know that he is God. The power lies not in the water, but the word for the lowly sinner. He tells you, washed and be cleansed. So be baptized and wash your sins away. Acts 22. It's simple. Too simple. Easy to spurn and despise. Easy to turn from for the preservation of sinful pride. Easy to fail to understand that it only comes by grace. Many do to their own loss as they do the rest of Scripture, to their own destruction. Others, by God's grace, with a childlike faith, hear the promise of God. And like Naaman, they are healed. Like the Apostle Paul, they see the light. Like the blind man told by Jesus to wash, they receive the gracious word in faith. And they open their eyes in a whole new way to see the one that we call Jesus. Next, Branches Band will sing Hearts of Stone from their album, Drawn to the Cross. Lord, your word has made it simple. We have wronged you, Lord, we're sinful. But Jesus is our sacrifice.
hearts of stone and give us hearts for faith And now we join Pastor Timothy Smith with God's Word for You. God's Word for You, Job 25, verses 1 to 6. Then Bildad the Shuhite replied, Dominion and awe belong to God. He establishes order in the heights of heaven. Can his forces be numbered? On whom does his light not rise? How then can a mortal be righteous before God? How can one born of woman be pure? If even the moon is not bright and the stars are not pure in his eyes, how much less a mortal who is but a maggot, a human being who is only a worm? Job's friends have run out of gas. These six verses are all of Bildad's final speech. Zophar is so flummoxed that he won't even speak again. Bildad takes us from heaven and pictures God's armies of angels ready for battle, and he's not far off. Dominion is a word that the New Testament uses even for certain angels in Ephesians 1.21. We see angels engaging in struggles behind the scenes on our behalf in Daniel 10. And Bildad repeats some of the best arguments that so far Job's friends have presented. Can his forces be numbered? Who can oppose him? That's Zophar back in Job 11. Isn't God in the heights of heaven? That's Eliphaz back in 22. Can a mortal be righteous? That's Eliphaz back in chapter 4. Can a man born of woman be pure? Well, that's Eliphaz back in chapter 15. And the heavenly bodies and beings, they aren't pure either. That was Eliphaz's argument back in chapter 4 as well. Bildad brings us around to the lowliness of man. That's not a bad place for Job's friends to finish. We're nothing before God in his holiness. This should be the place where repentance takes us. But Bildad, he's come there by a different route. Yet we can't disagree with him. A human being is nothing before God, and that's how we approach him. But we have something that Bildad has ignored. We have the promise of the Savior. Job knew this, and his friends should have hung on to that promise like Job did. Our Savior has taken us from the dust and has lifted us up above the moon and the stars, beyond the innumerable angels arrayed arrayed in all of their battle splendor, and he has set us before God the Father with Jesus' own record on our account. So we trust Jesus, and like Abraham, we believed God, and like Abraham, that's credited to us as righteousness. Bildad questions the moon not seeming bright. Could that be a subtle reference that the sky overhead is becoming overcast with the approach of the storm that God's going to speak from? I wonder. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. And now an update from the Wells Mission Blog. Ditto, Dad is a Wells Mission Blog published at blogs.wells.net slash missions on July 1st, 2014. Pastor Jonathan Weir serves as pastor at Good Shepherd Evangelical Lutheran Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Weir traveled to Nigeria this past winter for three weeks to teach at the Nigerian Seminary. When I was asked to teach at the seminary in Nigeria and our church council gave their consent, it was easy to say yes. I would be returning to the place of my father's first years in the ministry. 
but much preparation would be necessary to be ready to teach at the seminary and be able to leave my family and congregation for a month. My father served in Nigeria. He was called there straight from seminary. So young and full of energy, his armor shiny and bright and fresh zeal, he had told me he was going for adventure and going to do the most important work there is. And now I say, ditto, Dad. I flew to Lagos, Nigeria. In the same Lagos, my parents flew in August 1958. My dad had just graduated from seminary when he had headed into the mission field. I headed into the mission field, too, immediately after graduating from seminary, but mine was a mission congregation in Minnesota. After my parents arrived in Lagos, they flew to Port Harcourt, one of the missionaries there, to welcome them and drive them to Obatum Edom Mission Headquarters. They would spend the next month getting acclimated. Missionaries stayed, took my dad out to visit various outposts and congregations. Meanwhile, other missionary wives got my mom up to speed on how to manage a house in Nigeria. After a month at Obat Edom, my dad was assigned to Abida Okpo District. This consisted of 13 churches and two schools. These were state-run schools where we were allowed to teach religion. The family compound was a cement block house. They had a small gas stove and a kerosene refrigerator and lamps. Africans helped with washing clothes. They carried water from the stream. Water consumption had to be boiled for 20 minutes and filtered before every use. Weekdays usually went like this. Dad would leave the house at 5 a.m. He would get into his VW bug, pick up his interpreter, and spend the rest of the day at various churches teaching adult instruction classes. He would also write sermons and lessons to be read at churches that would not have a pastor for the coming Sunday. Dad rotated going to the churches. He would get three each Sunday. He would make it to all of the churches he served once a month. Sundays were not just for worship. They were worship, baptisms, communion, and receiving new members, which made for some long services. My mother took care of things on the home front. She said everything had to be made from scratch. We lived out in the bush, so I didn't have any stores to buy pre-made things at. I had a small gas stove in our house and a kerosene refrigerator. Given the lack of refrigeration in the African market, I asked, How did you get meat? Mom said, Chickens were bought live. I never bought a chicken that had already been butchered. Africa was where my mom really learned how to make homemade bread and buns. She still makes great homemade bread to this day. People ask about my safety while in Nigeria. It was a real concern, more so now than when my parents were there. A number of precautions are in place, including armed security. I have an up-to-date will. The doctrine of protection of the holy agents is very much comfort, since returning from my time in Nigeria, people had asked me if I would go back again. My answer for them is yes, I would go back. If asked, the students are eager to learn. To reread or share this mission blog or read the other entries, visit blogs.wells.net slash mission. And now we take a moment with the master with Pastor Aaron Nitz. The moment with our master for today comes from the gospel according to John chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 and they read, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life 
have it to the full. As I understand it, sheep have little to no natural defense against predators. If a wolf comes on its own, the sheep can either try running away or huddle together with other sheep and hope that it finds its way into the middle. That's why sheep need safety. They need the safety of a sheep pen, not only to keep the sheep in, but perhaps more importantly, to keep danger out. God says that there is only one entrance into his sheep pen. Outside of his sheep pen is only danger and certain death. Inside is certain safety. That one entrance to the sheepfold of God is Jesus. He is the only way of salvation. But sheep tend to wander, and so do you and I. We tend to wander away from God's word. We, we tend to wander our way into sin and sinful habits. We tend to wander into dangerous spiritual situations. We tend to wander away thinking we're safe on our own. So we need to be reminded there is danger. On our own, our souls are at risk. We need a shepherd. And in Christ, that's who we have, the good shepherd. A good shepherd who laid his life down for us. He is the gate, the only gate, to true safety and security in God's sheepfold. Through trust in him as our Savior, we're safe. So trust in him. Listen to him. Keep entering through him. In Jesus, we have the only true, real, certain, eternal security we need for life and for death. I'm thankful for the Good Shepherd, Jesus, just like you. The Lord bless and keep you today and always. Amen. We end our time this week by singing Just As I Am with Chris Dresbach. Just as I am without one plea But that your blood was shed for me And that you bid me come to thee O Lamb of God I come, I Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot to you whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come, I Just as I am the tossed about With many a conflict, many a doubt Fightings and fears within, without O Lamb of God, I come, I come just as I am, poor, wretched, blind, sight, riches, healing of the mind. Yes, all I need 
in you to find, O Lamb of God, I come, I come, just as I am, you will receive, will welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve, because your promise I believe O Lamb of God I come I come just as I am your love unknown has broken every barrier down now to be yours, yes, yours alone, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. You have been listening to Canaan Bound Podcast, Episode 79. This episode was first shared in August of 2014. Visit CanaanBoundPodcast.com to learn how you can support the ministry of the Wells and of the artists featured on this podcast. To find links to Branches Band or Christopher Dresbach, check out the show notes at CanaanBoundPodcast.com. Once again, my name is Philip Wells. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells ministry location near you. Thank you for listening.